Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7, and we'll go through chapter 12, verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, uh, chapter 11, verse 7, through chapter 12, verse 8. Allow me to read this passage. The light is pleasant, and is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, a man should live many years. Let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is, uh, that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of youth. And follow the impulses of your heart and desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. And those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors of the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home, while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken, and the golden bowl is crushed. The picture, pitcher by the well is shattered, and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Now, again, Solomon writes in a very poetic way. Uh, I always struggle with poetry, trying to figure out what the author was trying to say. You know, I always hoped that the uh, teacher would say, what do you think the author is saying? Because I could put anything down, it would be correct. Because it's what I think. But when they ask, what is the author trying to convey... I was, I was at a loss most of the time. I just really struggled. So I'll be honest with you, I've relied very heavily on some commentaries to help me to understand some of the meanings behind the poetry that we see here. I know that basically what Solomon is doing is he, go, he is going through the progression of life from the childhood to the youth, the young adult, to the older adult, even all the way up to death. And you know, we are in t getting into that point of life, what we all are, where you know, there's probably fewer years ahead than there are behind us. And so Solomon is show showing us that we need to remember our Creator. We need to understand that uh, life is short, there's no guarantees, and that there will be difficult decisions to make and difficult times ahead. We're going to feel the aches and pains of, of age, and we're going to see a lot of things taking place that we wish would not take place. So the question is, what is Solomon trying to convey in this passage? To me, the answer is that we are to rejoice 
in the life that God gives us to live, regardless of what that life entails. Some people seem to have a, a privileged life. Uh, they really don't seem to go through a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, things just seem to go very well for them, while others seem to always be in turmoil. Uh, they're always facing some kind of uh, problem in life. But either way, we need to rejoice in whatever life that God gives us to live. Then we're also to remove the things that we can that are harmful, grief, anger, things of this nature. We need to try to live a pure and holy life. And then we're to remember our Creator through the days of our lives, whether we're young or whether we're old. So let's pick up with verses 7 through 9 and the rejoice in life. Verse 7 begins... The light is pleasant and is good for the eyes to see the sun. Susan loves to be out in the sunshine. She says it, it energizes her. It makes her feel totally different than being in the house with an artificial light. And there is something about you know, a bright, nice, sunny day. It makes you feel much more alive than this past Sunday where it was raining all day long, just gloomy and you know, damp and cold. And so the light is pleasant. And it is good for the eyes unless you stare right at the sun. That's not good for you. Uh, I know that you know, as we progress, we, we tend to form cataracts. And a lot of that is from the UV rays hitting our eyes throughout all of our lives. And so, but either way, we look and we see that uh, what Solomon is telling us to do is really seen in verse 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. And let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. And follow the impulse of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So the first thing is rejoice. Now what we see here is that throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we see a, a phrase or a passage kind of repeated. And if you first read it without reading the whole thing in context... It almost sounds like eat, drink, and be merry because someday we're going to die, so get all the gusto in life that you can. But there's always a little clause at the end of it. So if you want to jot these down, I'm going to read them to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24 says, There's nothing better for a man than to eat and to drink and to tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that is from the hand of God. It's a blessing from God. So he keeps reminding the people, yes, you have pleasures in life, but make sure that you understand this is a gift from God. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all of his labor. It is the gift of God. So we cannot leave that part off. Ecclesiastes 5.18 Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting to eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him for this is his reward. Ecclesiastes 8.15 So I commend pleasure for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry, and this will stand by him and in his toils throughout the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. And then in Ecclesiastes 9, 7, 
Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. So every time that Solomon mentions the, the rejoicing over the life that you have, he always points that this is a gift of God. So don't leave God out of the, out of the equation. And so we look and we see that he is telling us to rejoice in the days of life and to re, uh, enjoy them. Uh, regardless of how many days that God gives us, how many years we have, we're to rejoice in all of them. And Solomon is especially encouraging the young people to relish their youth. Now, I don't know if it's, sometimes it's getting harder and harder to remember back to our youth. You know, we're getting a little older and, you know, that's, that's, that's distant memory now. But, you know, most of us, myself especially, and Susan, we grew up in good families. Our families loved us. They took care of us. They provided for us. And... I mean, I had chores to do. I had cut grass and, you know, clean things in the house and stuff like that. But overall, life was pretty easy. You know, I never went without. And so I was, you know, once I got chores done, I was free to play. And, you know, we rode bikes all over the place. Believe it or not, I love to climb trees. And so I would climb trees and, you know, uh, see what I could see from the tops of them and things like that nature. And you don't. When you're that young, you don't even think about old age. You don't think about a time where I will not be able to, or I should not try to climb trees anymore, or, you know, a little bit more fear of getting out on a bicycle, you know, because of the traffic and what could happen if, if I had an accident or something. But we look and we see that Solomon is encouraging people to relish their young lives mainly because there's so little that they have concerned over. Their needs are being taken care of by parents. Uh, they, they have very little thoughts about the what-ifs of life they are yet to come. There's very little responsibilities, very little uh, that they have to, uh, uh, have to deal with. And so, you know, the, then we see something a little bit, uh, I guess, conflicting words. He says, in verse 9, follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. When you read that, it almost says, do whatever you want to do. But then notice in that same verse, he says, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. In other words, Solomon is saying, enjoy life, but live life according to God. In other words, don't turn your back on God. Don't ignore God as you live life. While you're a child, while you're in your youth, enjoy it. Enjoy the time where you have fewer responsibilities and consequences and all these uh, things like that. But make sure that you remember to add God into the equation in all that you do. And so we look and we see, enjoy life but honor God as you enjoy it. And I... One of the commentaries reminded me of an old saying. You know, somebody says, you know, well, I'm in my youth. I'm sowing my wild oats. Well, here's the quote that I read. Sow your wild oats when you're young. You better pray for crop failure. So we need to rejoice in our youth. We need to enjoy living life. But don't leave God out of the picture. Well, that brings us to the second part is to remove the harmful things. Look at verse 10. It says, so remove grief and anger from your heart 
and put away pain from your body because uh, childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. When you're young, most children go through life pretty much unscathed. They don't have a lot of trauma that's happened in their life. That's not necessarily always the case. Uh, while youth tends to be carefree, there are still difficulties to face. Even in youth, uh, we need to learn how to deal constructively with our emotions, uh, with all the negative issues of life. Because if we don't learn in our youth, we'll have even more struggles as we grow older. So the earlier we begin to understand that life is not always fair, that bad things do happen to good people, uh, the better off we're going to be. Uh, you know, not everybody is the most popular kid in the school. There are a lot of them that are teased or picked on or even bullied. Uh, typically, those who are not the popular ones tend to kind of group together uh, so that they can kind of feel like there's a camaraderie, camaraderie. But, you know, bad things can even happen in youth. Um, for many kids today, they do not live with their original mother and father. Their parents are divorced. They've gone through the trauma of divorce in their family. Now they're, they're forced to either choose to live with dad or live with mom or to have this combination back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so they're always caught in between of their parents uh, not liking each other. Uh, sometimes you know, illness and even death comes into a family and they have to go through that trauma of losing a loved one. Uh, there's also the negative consequences of their own decisions. You know, once they turn 15, 16, or however old uh, states are to get your driver's license, you know, driving and being a little inexperienced, you may have a wreck or an accident because you were not following the rules of the road, or you start experimenting with alcohol and you get a, a DUI, or you harm yourself some way in foolish acts, jumping off of something that you should not have jumped off of. And either way, we need to remove the grief and the anger from our hearts, the grief of the traumas that we go through, and the anger that sometimes represents itself because we are put in situations that are not healthy for us. Like I said, you know, a, a child having to pick between parents when they're squabbling with each other. And so we need to learn at a young age to, to deal with these emotional issues they're not always physical issues. Many times they're emotional issues. Sometimes they're uh, consequences to choices either we have made or our parents have made or somebody else has made on our behalf. So we need to learn how to control our anger uh, when, we're, when, you're, when we're young. Because if you can learn how to control it when you're young, it'll be a whole lot easier to, to deal with as you grow older. So no one ever thinks that uh, that they, while they're young, that they'll ever grow old. It's hard for us to picture growing old and not being able to do the things that we can do. But at the same time, as you're young, we know, because we're on the other side, that there's going to be growing responsibilities, that the physical, uh, there's going to be some physical limitations that will come as age increases. And so that brings us to the remaining of what our message has. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Remember our Creator. So look at verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. 
for many, when they get into the latter years of life and they're really struggling physically, they're struggling cognitively, you know, they get to a point where I just don't like life right now. My dad was one of these that as long as he could get out and piddle in the yard and do the things he wanted to do, life was okay even if he had some aches and pains and his heart wasn't working right. But the day that he could no longer do that, he said, this life is no longer worth living. And so we understand that. And that's pretty much what God is saying. We need to remember our Creator in all of our days from our youth forward. Why? Because evil days are coming when we will need to rely on His presence all the more. So without the Lord, our struggles will uh, take away the delight of life. Uh, as we age, we're going to face many storms of life. And each one causes us to realize we need to trust God all the more and to understand that he is our only hope. Um, at times, sometimes we go through the dimness of life, through times of depression, through times of trials and trouble, and sometimes we wonder, is this ever going to end? Well, the truth is, there are certain things will, that will not end. Um, you know, as our bodies start to decay and get weaker, that's not going to get better unless there's some miracle drug that comes out that in, overcomes that. So we know that you know, we're going to go through some difficult times and they're not always going to get better. So Solomon now begins to use a very poetic way to describe the decline that we face as we age. Pick up on verse 3. In the day that the watchman of the house trembles, what does that mean? Well, again, I'll be honest with you, I had to uh, look and study a number of commentaries to kind of help me to understand the poetic meanings behind these. The watchman of the house tremble. Well, he's basically talking about our legs and our arms, the things that we use to that normally we just walk around and do whatever we want to. As we age, they tend to get weaker. Uh, we were just talking about Annette, uh, you know, really struggling with her legs and things like that. Age just happens to do that. You know, I go to the Beehive on Thursdays, and pretty much all the uh, residents there are either in wheelchairs or use the rollator-type walkers. And so this is just something that typically comes with age. And so it's the picture that you know, our strength is waning. We're not able to, to move around like we used to. And then he says, and mighty men stoop. I don't have the best posture in the world anymore. We all tend to kind of start slumping over a little bit as we get older. I notice everybody starts to pull up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as we age, our posture tends to start stooping over. We're, our, we're physically tired. Our Spine structure is no longer as strong as it used to be. All the muscles that held us uh, upright are no longer as good as they used to be. And then he says, And the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Teeth. Now, in today's world, we can go and get a cap. We can go get a bridge. We can go get false teeth. You know, we, we have ways to get around that. But in Solomon's day, if you lost a tooth, you just didn't have a tooth there. And so basically this is saying you're losing your teeth, they're few, and so your grinders stand idle. It's more difficult for you to eat and chew up your food. 
And so there again is another sign of aging. And so then he says, you find where I am. And those who look through windows grow dim. Just mentioned cataracts a few minutes ago. That's a typical sign of aging. Over time, the UV rays uh, hit the lenses in our eyes and, and they start to cloud over time. And now we have this wonderful surgery called cataract surgery where they replace the lens. Solomon didn't have that in his days. So if you grow cataracts, your eyes kept getting dimmer and dimmer over time. We have a lot of modern things that help us, but still the effects of growing old are still there. Picking up verse 4, And the doors on the street are shut as the sounds of the grinding mill is low. Well, here's your doors on the streets, what you hear. And the sound of the grinding is getting lower and lower. And so, you know, basically it is the, the, the grinding mill is low, the sounds of the grinding mill is low. It means that we're losing our hearing. And again, they didn't have hearing aids back in Solomon's day. And then one will rise at the sound of the birds. How many of us are easily woken up? It doesn't take much sound to wake us up. And it's so irritating because once it happens, it's so hard to get back to sleep. And so I believe that that's really what that's talking about. And that we arise at the sound of the birds. If the birds start twerping, uh, we... We're awake and we can't get back to sleep. And then he goes on. He says, And all the daughters of song will sing softly. Our voices are not as strong, as, as powerful as they once were. I've always struggled to project my voice. Uh, I, I blame it on terrible sinus condition. Uh, my sinuses are stay pretty much clogged up. And so I can't resonate through my sinuses like a lot of people do. But either way, our voices tend to grow a little weaker over time. And then we see, picking up verse 5, Furthermore, men are afraid of high place, of a high place, and terrors on the road. Uh, like I say, I used to love to climb trees. I don't think I want to climb trees anymore for the fear of falling out of one. And I become more careful. Uh, I still climb ladders and things like that. Uh, that's one thing Dole would not do. He would not climb a high ladder. So when the lights over uh, Norma's organ uh, went out, he would hold the bottom of the ladder, but he'd send me up the ladder to change the bulb. And I can still do that, but I'm more careful than I used to. And so the fear of high places, we've become less stable, and so we become more, more careful about getting up on a high place. But it also says, and the terror on the road. And this is basically talking about we don't feel quite as comfortable being out by ourselves walking. We feel like it might be better for somebody else to be with us just in case we stumble along the way. Or, you know, in our youth, we feel that we're more invincible if somebody tried to mess with us. But our age... You know, we tend to be more prone to somebody attacking us, taking what we might have. And so that's really a lot of what it's talking about there. And then the almond tree blossoms. I go, what in the world is he talking about there? Well, the commentary helped me out a lot. It says, when an almond tree blossoms, it has these beautiful white blooms. This white hair. We start to be an almond tree and we blossom. Then it says, and the grasshopper drags himself along. 
if you've ever tried to catch a grasshopper, they spring and they can, you know, jump, you know, feet into the air. And basically, the old age of a grasshopper means that he can no longer get away and he's just kind of dragging himself along. Life expectancy of a grasshopper is not that long in the first place. And then, one that's a little risque, the capperberry is ineffective. The capperberry is a bush that actually makes the capers. And in Solomon's day, they were known as an aphrodisiac, which means a helper in the sexual desire department. It says they're no longer effective. In other words, people as they age tend to lose their, their sexual desires. And then he kind of ends by saying, for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go into the street. And he starts talking about the end of life. And folks, we don't need to be afraid of the end of life. Now, I'm not rushing to get there. None of us are. And the reason why is this life here on earth is all that we actually know. We had the promise of eternal life. God kind of gives us a glimpse of it, but it's an unknown to us. This is the only thing our conscious minds truly understand. And so we grasp onto it. We don't want to let go of it. But if we're a child of God, we know that something much better is, in the, is waiting for us. Because God says there will no longer be any pain, no more sorrow, no more weeping. We'll have perfected bodies. We won't have any aches and pains. We'll be able to do all that God wants us to do. And so he's telling us that now we go to our eternal home. And you know, the mourners are left behind in the streets. And then he uses an illustration that I again struggled with. In verse 6, Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the will of the cistern is crushed. Here's two different pictures. One is like an oil lamp that's been hung from the ceiling in the home to provide light in the room. Well, over time, the cord that was holding it uh, grows weak and maybe frays, and all of a sudden it snaps. And the weight of all the oil and the, and the brass or whatever the uh, uh, lamp is made out of, it says gold in this one, it falls and it's crushed. So the end of the light has come. And then the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel of the cistern is crushed. Basically, again, uh, the pitcher that draws the water out and water is uh, considered part of life. Without water, we have no life. When that pitcher is shattered and the wheel that cranks up the, the bucket from the cistern, when it is crushed, we no longer have the source of water, which basically means we no longer have the source of life. And so these are pictures of death coming. And then he just point blank tells us in verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. We do die. We're all going to die unless God comes before that and takes us home in a miraculous way. So we're created out of the dust of the earth. We go back and see when God created Adam. He took the dust of the earth and formed Adam and breathed the breath of life into him. And that physical body will one day return to the dust of the earth. However, the spirit that God gives us is eternal. And it will return to the Lord who gave it. But then in this passage, Solomon ends with the very same phrase that he began all the way back in chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What is he saying there? He's saying, you know, 
if you live life under the sun, there is no hope. And so he's, he's reminding people there is a choice here. You're either going to live uh, remembering God and rejoicing that he's the one who gives life, or you're going to live in vanity with no hope at all. So Solomon is using vivid illustrations to show that life is not easy. Uh, there are always going to be difficult times in our lives, and we probably all still have more difficult times ahead. So we must begin early in life trusting God, helping him, helping, him helping us to overcome the anger and the grief and all the other emotions that we face in life. And as we trust God, he will point us along the right paths and prove himself over and over again that he'll be with us and guide us through whatever we face. Well, let's close with a time of prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the truths of your word. And Lord, even if it is scary to think about our latter days and knowing that one day that we will pass from this earth, help us to rejoice that you have an even better place for us uh, when that time happens. But Lord, help us to re rejoice in the light that you've given us here each and every day. Help us to find reasons to rejoice, reasons to be glad in what you've done and what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Lord, help us to remember you each and every day, to keep our focus on you. And then, Lord, help us to know that even as we go through the trials of life, that you're going to be the guiding force. No matter how our bodies change over time, you're still the same each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.